When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, and welcome back to When in Romance, where we get to talk about all the cool things and some of the less cool things about romance novels and romance landia in general. I am Jess. And I'm Trisha. And we're recording on Thursday, August 18th. Happy birthday, mommy. 2022. (laughs) We have so many Leos in our combined families. Yes, yes, we do. So nice. Yes, we do. Uh, How are you, Jess? I'm doing it right. It is not as hot, but it is very humid. (laughs) I mean, you know, believe it or not, have you seen that meme going around? It might have even been on the Book Riot Slack of somebody being like, someone told me that 2023 is four months away. And like, I had a complete (laughs) meltdown. It was more clever than that. But it was that idea that like, fall is one month away. Yeah. I, yeah, whatever. And it Nobody has quite made it out of 2020 yet, and yet here we are. It's true. <laughs> I said I recorded an all the backlist episode last week, and I said like it feels like we're going into September, but based on the number of like pumpkin beers and like Halloween decor I have seen around for the last month, you would think that it was already November third. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, long story short, we give up on calendars, except not entirely. Because um, we meant to mention it last episode and forgot, but as you are listening to this, Bookstore Romance Day happened already. <laughs> so yes. again, we meant to get to it. It's, it happens. It's happening as we are recording two days from now, and as you are listening to this two days ago on the twentieth of August. Jess, I think you mentioned that there might be some recordings out there. Yes, there are. If you go to even the Bookstore Romance Day website, you'll probably see some links. I don't think there's a dedicated channel on YouTube, but there are a lot of bookstores who are sponsoring virtual panels. And, you know, there are probably some recordings out there. So if you look and see what people might have been doing, you might catch some links. And I will see if I can find one for the show notes. Excellent. Actually, despite my abandoning calendars entirely, we actually, like, all of our announcements are about calendars. Uh, So as discussed, we are doing our third book club book of 2022. We're going to get back to that in a second. But we had planned to do it on our second September episode. It turns out that for a variety of reasons that have to do with Labor Day being a multinational holiday that you do not care about, we will actually not... (laughs) be recording in two weeks. So the Labor Day episode that we would have had is not happening. We thought it's not necessarily fair to announce a book and then basically do the book club episode on the next episode. There's a very long way of saying we have changed the calendar. We are going to be talking about Witchmark on the we are going to talk about it. Jess and I are on September 29th. The recording will go up on October 3rd. So you have a couple of extra weeks if you put that hold on your library. Although we do have like a little bit of uncertainty now around this book. Yes. 
it was mentioned by um, someone that we trust that it might not be categorized by some as a romance because the romantic story is not central and that they would say that the ending is more an HFN, a happy for now. Um, but we're still going to try it. And we can talk about our thoughts on whether we would categorize it as a romance on Mean Girls Day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and also we'd love to talk about your, how you would categorize it too. So send us your thoughts. Let us know. Yes. Look at us kind of branching out. We did an erotic romance. Now we're doing sort of maybe like a romance adjacent fiction book. I don't know. We're we're exploring new things here in 2022, which again is almost over. <laughs> That's fine. It's fine. Uh, what are you reading these days, Jessica Pride? Well, I have been meaning to read... The Wedding Crasher by Mia Sosa for about 25 years now. I realize it's only been out for like two months, Eh. if that. Um, Again, calendars. We've given up on calendars. But it's been sitting on my shelf. And every time I looked at it, I was like, I should read that. And then we were talking about our Rex section. And I was like, I should read that. But I read some other books before and only just started it. So I'm like literally a chapter in. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with The Wedding Crusher by Mia Sosa, it's the second book in her series about a group of women in DC who are family and family adjacent. Uh, The first one was The Worst Best Man. And this one is set, the opening is adjacent to that because the main characters in The Worst Best Man are the people in charge of planning the wedding that is being crashed. And so far, I know that the main female character, whose name I have completely forgotten, witnesses something in a stairwell that leads her to think that um, the bride isn't in it with her heart. And she doesn't know what to do about it. But I haven't actually yet gotten to the crashing bit. Um, so I don't know exactly quite what scene is going to be made. But I do know that eventually she is going to be pretending to be in a relationship with someone in the bridal party. So that's going to be fun. And I look forward to reading it. I love Mia Sosa's books. She's so funny and thoughtful and um, it's set in DC, which is always fun, um, because even though neither Trisha or I are there anymore, we both have a lovely connection to it. So, yay! Yay! Hooray! Hooray for Mia Sosa and that whole series. Delightful. Delightful. I am reading, actually, I just finished this book today and started another book, but since I'm going to talk about that one later, we'll pretend (laughs) I'm still reading um, Ruby Fever by Elena Andrews, which if you are listening to this on the 22nd, comes out tomorrow on the 23rd, so it comes out next week. So I actually got into this series because of many of you all who recommended it when I was looking for a sort of more paranormal sci-fi sort of romance. This is the sixth book in the Hidden Legacy series. It is the final... Story. The way that they write these books is that the first three were about uh, Nevada and Connor. The next three have been about a different couple. It's Catalina and Alessandro. And so this is the final of their books. You get a little hint at the end. This is not a spoiler, but that the series may not be done. Hopefully it is not. We'll see. This is one of the few times that I, I, I loved this book. I loved this series. I could tell you all about it, but I will be honest with you. This is one of the few times that I will say... 
this is not the place to start this series. <laughs> it is not, both because this couple is now two books into their story, but also because Ilona Andrew is it's it's a, a dual authors. It's a married couple. They have done so much world building, both in terms of how this paranormal world that deals in magic and there's you know primes and different houses and uh, there's wardens and all of this stuff. They've done so much of that world building, and there's like this long conspiracy that stretches six books back. If you are into this series, I think you will really like this book. If you have not tried this series out, this is maybe the first. Again, it was 2019. I was looking for Rex about paranormal romance, and I heard from all of you. And this is by far the series that got most recommended to me, and I have been hooked on it ever since. So if you've been reading this series, I think you're really going to like Ruby Fever. And if you have not, I would start at least with the Sapphire book that comes before this one. I don't know. It's like the first book in this trilogy. You don't necessarily have to start all the way back, but I I would say at least start with, uh, let's see, what's it called? Sapphire, Sapphire Flames. Flames. Yes, thank you. I know because I have an arc on my shelf. Oh, you should read it, Jess. I think you'd like it. Okay, I will. <laughs> Eventually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got time. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> that is what I am reading. And uh Yeah. That's the answer to that question that I don't even know if you asked. <laughs> I think I just volunteered that information for you. You're welcome. I was I was going to, but you you went right ahead. So, I mean. I got excited. <laughs> what do you think? Before we jump into what's next, should we, should we take a quick break? Yes, let's. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of The Familiar by Lee Bardugo. This is one I'm actually super excited about. I liked Lee Bardugo's other adult fantasy books. And so I'm really looking forward to this one. It's set in the Spanish Golden Age during a time of high stakes political intrigue and glittering wealth. It follows Luzia, a servant in the household of an impoverished Spanish nobleman who reveals a talent for little miracles. Her social climbing mistress demands Luzia use her gifts to win over Madrid's most powerful players. But what begins as simple amusement takes a dangerous turn. Luzia will need to use every bit of her wit and will to survive, even the help of Guillén Santángel, an immortal familiar whose own secrets could prove deadly for them both. So The Familiar by Lee Bardugo is on sale now. And like I said, it's a must read of the season. It's perfect for anyone who loves history, a little bit of magic, a lot of danger. You can get your copy now at LeeBardugoTheFamiliar.com. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of The Familiar by Lee Bardugo for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by W.W. Norton and Company Incorporated. So Negative Space by Jillian Linden follows a week in the life of an English teacher at a New York private school. At home, her children ask constant questions about mortality and her husband offers occasional counsel between Zoom calls. At school, something happens. She accidentally witnesses an ambiguous, possibly inappropriate interaction between a teacher and a student. But how can she be sure of what she saw? Negative Space is a portrait of a woman caught between the pressures of what's normal and what isn't, and examines what we owe the people who depend on us in a fractured and indifferent world. It's a debut novel and a short novel. It's perfect if you want something quick and easy to carry around, but it's also thought-provoking. It takes place during the pandemic, but it's not pandemic-focused, and it really just looks at everyday anxieties and low-threat situations that have high consequences. So make sure to check out Negative Space by Jillian Linden. And thanks again to W.W. Norton and Company Incorporated for sponsoring this episode. 
So we're going to talk a little bit about something that someone actually requested, recommended for us, gosh, probably two months ago now that we didn't get back to. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, they probably thought we forgot. We didn't. Uh, well, I pull up this email, Jess. Do you want to talk at all about what we're talking about? Sure. So there is a topic of, I don't want to call it contention, but discussion that has been coming up more and more recently as far as plot points in romance novels. And that is not just the HEA, everybody's married and happy epilogue, but the baby epilogue. Dun, dun, dun. And it's something that has a long history in romance, probably for as long as romance has been its own genre category. (laughs) So there are people who have many, many thoughts about it. And I know that we're going to share ours and maybe talk about some other things related to it. I don't know, Trisha, what do you think? I think we will. I think before we do that, and we... Usually we should have we should have double checked. Usually we would double check and make sure that the person that um, sent this in is okay talking about it. But because the suggester of this particular topic is Kelly Farmer, um, who is an author and friend of the podcast, you might know her out on the Ice series that I have know I have talked about and very much enjoyed. I had forgotten mm-hmm. that the third book was coming up and maybe has actually already come up. So that will be probably what I'll be talking about uh, sometime soon on the "What Are You Talking About" segment of the podcast. Anyway. <laughs> so Kelly sent a note saying that we must have at some point in the spring mentioned babies, baby moons, etc. And I think we even may have mentioned that we thought it may need its own conversation. Kelly mm-hmm. mentioned that, and Kelly's books, the two that I have read so far are, I'm, I'm never sure what, what we're, it's two main characters who are both women. I don't remember which <laughs> term fits exactly, but it is two main characters who are women. And uh, she mentioned that she's got opinions on the supposed idea that a couple quote unquote needs to have a baby. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with that if that's what they want. But the inference is that it is not truly an HEA without that baby. Ugh. Mm. Which and that is a quote from Kelly. Again, I, I hopefully she won't mind. And you know, she mentions that in her books, it's more of like, a we're adopting dogs, and we won't, we don't want to have kids kind of a, a situation. But I think she's right. I think this is a very, it's kind of a fraught topic, in mm-hmm. some ways, because uh, you know, as we have said before, there's nothing wrong with having babies. And also, you and I, who are both childless, <laughs> um, yeah. I think we're very happy for all of our friends who wanted to have children and now have children. Mm-hmm. And also, I think you and I would both be in a very good position to argue that you can be very happy without children if that is if that is your preference. So to tie mm-hmm. that in with a happy ending can get a little tricky. It can. And especially for contemporary stories, in which the end, the end, I say the end, like it's like, that's really the end. But the conclusion of the story of falling in love is not only marriage, but starting a family. Now, there are people who find their mate or mates, fall in love, get married within like a year, and immediately decide that it's time to start a family. But I mean, I don't know what's going on with Gen Z, but us millennials can't afford to start a family right out of, right, right out of paying for a wedding. Right. (laughs) 
So and pretending to save up money to, for a mortgage. Right? <laughs> Student loans, all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of that. So it just, it sometimes the way that it's presented, especially if it's written by an older author writing a younger couple, it feels sort of not dated so much as out of touch. Um, and like you said, it depend. it really depends on the people who are being written about, who the story is about, what they want, what they desire. Like Kelly said, you know, there are people who want that. There are people who go into, go into this whole concept of finding a partner because they want to be a parent. And sometimes that is even the catalyzing event of yeah the story and of course you know we have we have to have a very different conversation about secret babies and surprise babies and all of that Mm -hmm. secret babies that like you don't find out about until the kid is 12 or whatever yeah 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 Yeah. but like the historic historical epilogue of like the husband like pacing out in the hallway waiting for the baby to be born and and that kind of thing is something that like I can recall from my youth of reading these stories as they would regularly happen and I can't tell you any titles because especially in the earliest days they all kind of run together but like if you have been reading enough or long enough then you kind of know exactly the the imagery that I'm that I'm pulling up. And we don't see that as much anymore so much as sometimes we see like, heads up, I'm going to spoil an old Sarah McLean book right now. It's not that old. So you might not have gotten to it yet. But it's at least two series ago. So maybe I don't know. But I think you're okay. (laughs) I'm gonna give you permission. uh, Day of the Duchess. One of the central things, it's a second chance romance, and one of the things is that their relationship fell apart in events prior to the book because she couldn't have children. And then, of course, it wasn't because of her body. There was some magic medicine, and by the conclusion of the book, she had a miracle baby. And Maybe Miracle Baby epilogues are even more of a different conversation. I don't know. Um, because I don't know if that's like a common thing in, in stories about people who are like using the word of the books barren or otherwise unable to conceive in either modern times or historically. Or if it's just like, this is how it's supposed to happen. We meet, we fall in love. We break up, we get back together, we get married, we go on a honeymoon, nine months later, there's a baby. Five years later, there are three children. Sometimes it's that. Yeah. Sometimes it's like the distant future epilogue where they're sitting, watching kids play in the yard or something like that. So I would consider that a baby epilogue, even if it's not like, guess what, I'm pregnant or waiting for the baby to come, or what are we going to name the baby? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's totally a baby epilogue. I think, and so I'll say two things. I'll say first, and I, I think I've said this on the podcast before. I was at a panel, the first RT I ever went to several years ago, I was at a panel, not on a panel. I was listening to authors, I think it was about feminism or independent women or something. And 
the panel got asked, the panel who included people like Tessa Dare and Victoria Dahl, I think Alicia Rye might have been on that panel. And they were asked, like, what is with the baby epilogues? Like, why is it that these women feel the need in heterosexual romance to have these babies at the end? And uh, I, Victoria Dahl was like, uh, that's not how my romance works. I don't know. <laughs> um, and I think it was Tessa Dare, who writes historical romance, mentioned, like, honestly, part of the reason that she does that is because, first of all, there, there generally was an expectation that people would have children at that time. Birth control was not as readily available. And frankly, it was so dangerous. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's very dangerous now for a lot of people, too, which it's a conversation probably for a different podcast. But yeah, yeah. That partly she would write those epilogues in so that people would know that a female main character, I think in her books they were, or a, a main character who was pregnant would survive the experience of giving birth, right? Mm. That part of the happy ending was a, hey, this character did not die in childbirth, which I think is kind of an interesting take on it. And to get to the second thing I'll say, Jess, is to your point of, you know, the folks that have been in the books dealing with infertility or miscarriages, you know, this is a thing. It honestly is really, really hard to find books that actually, this is like a book riot piece I've been meaning to write for like two years. I'm going to commit to writing it before the end of 2023. It's going to (laughs) happen. But it's, yeah, that's actually, that that is the perfect amount of laughter because I've said that many times, but I mean it this time. It's real. It's going to happen. I I actually think, thank you. I almost think that in some ways, it, so it is very, very hard to find a book in which a couple is dealing with infertility or miscarriage that does not end with a miracle baby. Mm. And I'm mostly referring to heterosexual cisgendered couples because that tends to be, as far as I have looked, and, and I have honestly done some searching around this, that tends to be who is dealing with those experiences. And I, I think that that is one of my biggest issues with a baby epilogue. Again, there's nothing wrong with it. It's like, people want to have kids. I know many people who have children. Both the children are lovely and the people are lovely, and it makes them all very happy. But mm-hmm. I think the idea that, I mean, it's it's almost like it's a kind of disappointment and heartbreak that is not tolerated in romance mm-hmm. and still allows for happy ending, right? You can lose a parent or... You can have lost even a spouse, right? Like there are people who are widows and widowers who still get to have a happy ending. And there are couples in these books whose stories involve, again, miscarriage or infertility issues. And those people also deserve to have a happy ending, right? Even Mm -hmm. if they do not end up having a child either adopted or biologically. And I, that is honestly, I... Of, of all of the kinds of representation, there are so many different kinds of representation that we th- that we need more of in romance. We have talked about that many, many times. Size representation, race representation, trans and sexuality representation. I think one that maybe we could stand to talk a little bit more about is representation of people who would like to have had children and were not able to do that for whatever reason. All different kinds of couples. Like I said, right now, the examples that exist tend to be cishet couples, but mm-hmm. I just, it's, it's uh, you know, everybody, and there are some out there. Like I said, I will write that piece. If you, if you need them before the end of 2023, when I genuinely am going to get this piece done this year, I promise, send me a note <laughs> and I will send you the five or six titles that I have that, um, that I, I can send you. But it's, I, that's, that is honestly the thing that I think bothers me the most is that 
it's not a happy ending unless there's a miracle baby for those couples that are struggling with that. Yeah. And, you know, like, there are plenty of cis women in romance who have made it known that they do not intend to have children. Some of those end up changing their mind. Some of them, like, we get to carry on, but they are not in any way disappointed by the fact that they don't have children. They just Mm -hmm. go on. We don't get their baby epilogue unless it's a surprise baby. (laughs) Well, and I even feel like that is not, I think that's more common than it was five years ago. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I don't even know that that was really, I feel like when we first started doing the podcast, or maybe it was just when we first started kind of writing for Book Riot, people would ask for those books, and they were a lot harder to find. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or it just, like, wasn't talked about at all. It's like, mm-hmm. they're together, boom, we won't even get to the wedding. We just know that they've they've expressed their love for each other, and we're happy for them in their futures. Bye-bye. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, I I love those books because sometimes you want to read the romance just to get to those declarations and let those people move on with their story because your <laughs> your needs for the story have ended. But it is nice to see the the little bits after and for those people who are sort of taken off guard by it, it's it's not the best feeling. Of course, there are there. We t- we're talking a lot about um, heterosexual romance because that is where the problem mostly is, right? Yeah, I haven't really read very many um, under the queer umbrella that have any situation like that. The only th- the closest thing I can really think of is one of Cole McCade's books ends with the couple adopting a couple of slightly older children, children who would have spent years in foster care and group homes because they were not the the goal children of people who adopt. But otherwise, it's a it's a very heterosexual problem. Yeah. I don't know if that's that's been the case for you, Trisha. Yeah, every and, and granted, I will say the first that I started looking into this actually was a um I think it was like a 2019 question that we got from someone who had this lived experience and Mm -hmm. was looking for romances that, you know, reflected this person's experience of having dealt with infertility and not, not had that miracle baby experience, but we're still looking for a happy ending. And, uh, and that was in 2019. And so that's when I started looking, I have not since found anything that again, is not a a cishet couple. If you've got one, please let me know. Cause like I said, I, I'm going to write about it. (laughs) I would, I would genuinely, I would, I would love to, extend that representation a little bit more broadly than I think it has been. But yeah, that has been my experience as well. So I think, I don't know, I think our take home here is if you want your your baby epilogues, you can have your baby epilogues and that's great. <laughs> yes. And also, if there are some authors out there who wanted to write more baby-free epilogues where people continue to be happy 5, 10, 20 years down the line, that is also great. Yes. And thanks to people like Kelly for uh, for writing those books. I will link to the Out on the Ice series in the show notes so that you can you can experience that all for yourselves. Yes. And if there's ever something that you would like for us to bring up in conversation, please feel free to send it to us. And we'll talk about that more after we've gotten through the, the rest of the podcast. 
Yeah, and we've got a couple actually of um, topics. I don't remember them offhand. I think like criminals were involved in one. Uh-huh. Which actually, I have an idea about that. So we do have a couple that we have flagged for our next month or two. So we know that they're they're waiting, but we're ready for more. Always ready for more. Mm-hmm. All right. We have recommendations for all of you, as always. Probably more than we have time for. <laughs> but let's find out. Before we get to those, um, let's thank another sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. This episode is sponsored by The One That Got Away with Murder by Trish Lundy. Robbie and Trevor Cressmont have enough wealth to ensure they'll never be found guilty of any wrongdoing, even if everyone believes they're behind the deaths of their ex-girlfriends. Let us all take a collective angry sigh at that. Lauren O'Brien, the new girl at school, has a dark past of her own, and she's desperate for a fresh start. Except when she starts a relationship with Robbie, her chance is put in jeopardy. During what's meant to be their last weekend together, Lauren stumbles across evidence that might just implicate Robbie. And after a third death rocks the town, she must decide whether to end things with Robbie or risk becoming another cautionary tale. This is an edge-of-your-seat YA thriller that's perfect for fans of Karen McManus and Holly Jackson. Make sure you pick that up now wherever books are sold. And thank you once again to The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy for sponsoring today's show. Okay, Jess, I am going to jump right in. I don't remember where you stand on the fake dating trope that we are about to talk a little bit about. I gotta say, I am almost always ready for a fake dating encounter. And sometimes I am disappointed when I'm offered fake dating and it's not really fake dating. Ooh, what does that mean? How is somebody like not actually fake dating? Well, I will actually talk about that in one of my recommendations where I was disappointed by the amount of fake dating offered, but still satisfied with the story. Do you want to jump in and just tell us what it is? That one was Jilted by Lila Suzanne. It's in, it's a slightly older book. It's a couple of years old by now, I think. But what is time? Because it could be from 2020 and I wouldn't know. Sure. And this is a book that made me think that the fake relationship would be in existence longer. So Jilted is a story of Link and, oh no, I've forgotten the narrator's name. So two people, the first chapter is narrated by Link and the rest of the book is narrated from the point of view 
of the other character. But when we meet Link, they are standing at the altar, waiting. Time is going, waiting, 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 waiting. Sure. Finally, their fiance arrives, but sadly, someone else arrives. And he is ready to tell Link's fiance that he loves her and he wants her back. And Jamie, Link's fiance, says, deuces, and leaves Link at the altar. Awkward. Jamie's love, who is... I think it might be Carter. Is it possible that it's Carter? Carter. Yeah. It is Carter. Thank you. I was like, it's not Charles. It's not... It's like, it's a C word, and I cannot remember what it is. It's It's not an old man name. I got you. And also, this book came out in 2018, so you're not even that far back in time. Hooray! And so... Jamie and Matthew run off, and Carter. Why was Carter's name the only one I couldn't remember? I don't know. You're doing great. You're doing great. Carter is Matthew's fiance, and Matthew has been. Matthew was like, "Hey, do you want to take a vacation to New Orleans?" And then leaves Carter like at the bar to go and crash a wedding and run off with his lady love. So. Now, Carter is heartbroken and Link is heartbroken and they have a heartbroken night. And the next morning, the people at the hotel that Link has gotten a huge honeymoon package for think that Link and Carter are together. And Link's like, so I spent all this money on all of this stuff for a honeymoon. You don't have anything to do. Do you want to just like do it? with me and Carter's like sure I'm sad this will make me happy and they go to all of these couples things that Link has prepared and a lot of the times the people are like and we have newlyweds so they're doing all of this and pretending to be in their relationship and it's very cute but that's only like the first couple chapters of the book and then they both go their own way and The rest of the story is about the two of them sort of figuring themselves out, finding each other again, and getting together, which is great. It's lovely. You know I love messy people trying to figure out how to unmess their life. Sure. But the fake relationship is only the first, like, 30 pages. So... (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know if I call that a fake dating book, or fake married book, or whatever. Um... (laughs) fake newlywed book when it isn't really if it's like a book with fake dating in it so yeah I feel like that's kind of similar so I will say I am I think part of the I had a little bit of a hard time finding books for this because I think I don't like fake dating although I've said (laughs) that before and then realized I do but I think partly it's because people tend to be like tying themselves into knots to justify the fake dating sometimes Mm -hmm. right so Mm -hmm. I almost prefer when it's like just kind of a dumb reason that sort of fits or mm-hmm. like there's actually a legit like Ugh, people's lives are on the line sort of fake dating thing which we'll get to in a second but I will say <laughs> How to Find a Princess by Alyssa Cole which I think we've talked about on this podcast but maybe not enough because it's a delight and I know mm-hmm. we talked about Alyssa Cole a billion times but this book I think is one of her more underrated books and there is a scene so this is a it's kind of an Anastasia retelling where um, Bez goes to 
kind of bring Makeda, who is theoretically a princess, but doesn't know it. And she's like, maybe I'm not a princess. I don't know. It's like a whole thing. She eventually decides she'll come back to this country that she does not know. And so Bez has to get her back to the country. And in order to get her there, they have to pretend to be married because there's like only one cabin on the (laughs) boat that they are using to like sail back to the country um, of which Makeda is a princess. And Bez is like a bodyguard. Like she's like, it's a whole thing. But like, it's it's similar. Part of the reason that I I mentioned this one is that it is, it's kind of like one of those books where you're like, couldn't you just tell people you're not a couple, but you need to share a cabin because there's only one. Like, all right, fine. Like, yeah. it's one of those. But also, I appreciate that they don't kind of, like, I appreciate the listicle is just sort of like, yeah, this is very much just me, like, leaning into the fake dating trope or fake marriage trope, I think, in this case. Yeah. But it's a it's a fun book. It's really lovely. I've talked about it before. There is, it's more like what you were talking about, where there is this, I mean, to be fair, it's a pretty significant chunk of the book. Probably half to two thirds of the book is them doing this fake marriage thing on this ocean liner. But it's it's more of a book that has fake dating in it than mm. that the fake dating is an integral part of the book. So if you're kind of on the fence about fake dating and you're more into the, I'm good with part of a book being fake dating, but I need it to be more than that, maybe go after How to Find a Princess by Alyssa Cole. Awesome. Are any of your, are your other ones? So like, I've got a couple where the, fake dating stakes are a little higher. Was that true for either any any other books that you were reading? Yes. One of them in particular, which tells you from the start that it's going to be all about the fake element. And that is Rent a Bay by Unoma Nwankor. And I had not heard of this book until you put it into the show notes, and I love it just based on the title. And I, I am... I don't know where I heard about it. I gotta tell you, it was probably still um, because oh, if yeah. I come across a new book, it was probably still. Yeah, that's uh, Silvana Reyes, who writes for us, but also has uh, Book Voyagers as her own sort of identity on social medias. She's the best. Yeah, and she finds these things. And I had bought it and was like, well, I guess I need to read it. And one very interesting thing about this book is that the author is Nigerian American. Um, the characters are all either Nigerian American or Nigerian. The like the people who are connected by the the series, so you get like a different view into how African Americans versus Black Americans actually like interact with each other and like culture and um, traditions and all of that stuff. So. In Rent a Bay, mm-hmm. <laughs> just like I can't, I laugh every time I say it. It's just, it's so good. I love it. It's genius. It's a genius title. It's a genius title. Arienze is a movie consultant and actor and producer. He grew up in Nigeria and his parents actually went to college in the U.S. and moved back to Nigeria. And he grew up in Nigeria and came to the U.S. for college and then stayed. So he and his cousins are like these like wealthy Nigerian Americans. And but they still have elements of Nigerian tradition and, you know, family that 
are weighing on them. So one problem that Enze has is that he's getting older and his grandmother and his mother are both like, when are you getting married? When are you having children? What's happening? And it's gotten to the point where his grandmother has started recruiting women in Nigeria for him to marry. Oh. <laughs> and he, his younger sister is getting married in Nigeria and he knows that if he goes alone, he is going to have this person thrust upon him, not just as a potential spouse, but literally, like, he wouldn't be surprised if they just married them on the spot. Sure. And one of his cousins, I think, is like, so there's this website you can go to and they'll, like, match you up with somebody. And Jasmine is a professional florist and flower designer thing and she really wants to start her own shop but she doesn't have the capital for it and her friend's like hey there's this website where you can just like pretend to be somebody's boo for whatever they need and a lot of it is like international travel and you can like go to africa and stuff and she's really hesitant but she's got her eye on a place where she can start her shop so the two of them are matched and it turns out they actually have met before. They have their own story in a novella that I can't remember the name of, but it's talked about in the beginning of the book. So you can check that one out. And they're hesitant to match, but eventually figure it out. So she ends up just going all in, in this pretense of being his bae and they go to Nigeria for this huge traditional wedding, which has like four parts and several days worth of attending events, traveling, being with the family and all of that. So it there is much more of the element of finding a person, developing a relationship, pretending to be in that relationship, etc., etc. And there's a lot of other stuff that happens, but I feel like this one has a much more seated example of a fake dating book as opposed to a book with fake dating in it. Yeah, fair. I think that's true of the others I will talk about too. I I will talk a little bit more extensively about Luck of the Draw by Kate Claiborne. So Kate Claiborne has gotten kind of a little bit, I would say a little bigger, like, you know, of, of romance authors. Her name might be more familiar. She she was one of those first authors to get kind of that trade paperback treatment. Um, but she has a series called the Chance of a Lifetime series in which three friends go in on a lottery ticket and they win. And it's not like mega ball. What is that thing? <laughs> mega Powerball? Powerball. Mega yeah. millions. Yeah. 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 Whatever. It's like, yeah. <laughs> of course I would call it mega ball on a romance podcast. Uh, <laughs> it's not that much money, but it's like enough money that they can, you know, quit their jobs for at least a while and whatever. It's a great series. It's really, really good. And the second book in the series, which you actually, this one you could read independently, is about Zoe, who is a corporate attorney who she leaves her job when she wins the lottery with her two friends and starts to kind of try to make amends. She feels weird about some of the stuff that she did as a corporate attorney. She was defending, I don't know if it was like pharmaceutical companies or something. One of the things that she did was defend a company in a wrongful death case when a young person died from suicide. Mm -hmm. And she decides to go and so huge content warning for things like grief, things like 
substance misuse, just like this book is, there's a lot, I mean, it's, there's, there are funny and lighter moments, but there's a lot of like pain and guilt and family complications and stuff. So this one may not be for you. But if it is, I will say it's a really tough needle to thread. So she goes to apologize to the brother of this person, where she defended the company who theoretically is responsible, at least in part, for the death of of Aiden's brother. She goes to apologize. Aiden is like, why are you here? I want nothing to do with you. Except I actually need someone to pose as my fiance because I am trying to buy this campground and I want to purchase it as a part of my late brother's legacy. The people who are selling it are a little conservative and so they were more likely to sell it to him if he has a fiance. It sounds a little Mm. bit like ridiculous, but it actually really works. And like I said, it's a really tough needle to thread because these are two people who... Like, he has absolutely no reason to want anything to do with this woman, but she is really trying to make amends. And like I said, there's just, this is a very feelings-y book. Mm. I think it's really, really well done. So if any of the, like I said, there's a lot of content warning here, but if you are okay with all of those things, and if you need more information, just send me a note, then Luck of the Draw by Kate Claiborne, I think is a really good fake dating, fake engaged book. And I will just mention really quickly, too, I just started today, like I mentioned earlier, um, I finished Ruby Fever. I just started To Catch a Raven by Beverly Jenkins, which is out mm. also the same day. So tomorrow, as you're listening to this, I'm only a few chapters in. But this is a book where two people have to pretend to be married because uh, everyone is terrible. And um, someone stole the Declaration of Independence or <laughs> a version of it. And so a white Pinkerton woman uh, detective goes to two different families and she's manipulated them in like a really horrific way because people are terrible. Racism is Mm -hmm. a thing that is awful and uh, makes these two people who both have kind of family histories of uh, kind of working in the underworld, some organized crime stuff, pretend Mm. to be married to try to, to steal it back. I'm very, very newly into this book. But again, it's a book where the fake dating, fake marriage stakes are very, very high. And frankly, when it comes to stealing the Declaration of Independence, I trust Beverly Jenkins more than I trust Nicolas Cage. So I feel good (laughs) about uh, recommending this book, even though I'm only a few pages in. So again, I'm sure I'll be talking more about it later in the year. But that is To Catch a Raven by Beverly Jenkins, which I just started and which very much has fake marriage in it. Uh, I'm so excited to read that one. I'm waiting for my uh, hardcover to come. So, Oh, brag about it, Jess. I will. I didn't know it was coming out in hardcover. That's cool. Yeah, I like. I can't remember who it was. Um, one of my mutuals on Twitter mentioned that, I think it might be um, her tag is Shades and Pages, that Miss Bev's newer books were coming out in both mass market and hardcover. So I have Wild Rain, too. Um, unfortunately, Ooh. Rebel was not included in that, so I'm going to have a mismatched Women Who Dare trilogy, but that's okay. That's okay. I mean, if, if anyone from, I think it's Avon who publishes these, happens to be listening, Jess would really appreciate a hardcover. Just saying. You're kind of a big deal, Jess. They might do it for you. It, it would be so great. Can you imagine the photos? Oh. I, yes. Out of control. Out of control. Out of control. And I will throw out a brief mention on one of our What Are You Reading conversations 
a while back, I mentioned that I was reading Honey and Spice by Balu Babalola. It was absolutely amazing, just as good as I expected it would be. The reasoning for the fake dating is very silly. Um, They're, well, not silly, but the two people are students. They're pretending to, to be in a relationship because they got caught kissing because she was like, not kissing. Oh my. I need to like kiss you right now because this guy that I'm sleeping with that I hate um, is coming this way. So kiss me kind of kissing. Sure. I can't believe I'm clutching my pearls as we speak. (laughs) So they end up pretending to date for her radio show, but it's very easy to see that they don't have to pretend. So it's, it's very adorable. If you like audiobooks, the audiobook is spectacular. Um, and if you prefer to read in print or text of other kind, um, I'm sure it's just as good. Uh, but that was Honey and Spice by Bolu Babalola. And it's, it's, um, fun fake dating. A little, like, still very feelsy, but also very hilarious. Hooray! Hooray! All right. Okay. So I think we, we've gotten through uh, all of the damage we could do here. We've done our agenda, but we have a lot of things that we want to hear from you all about. Mm-hmm. We want to know what you feel about Witchmark. Is it a romance? Is it not a romance? How do you feel about it? You do have a little extra time. We're recording on September 29th, and the app will go up on October. Th- I was like 10-3. That's October. That's what that means. Seriously, <laughs> this, cal- this episode yeah. ended up being much more calendar heavy than I think either of us anticipated. We would always love to know what you're reading. What? How do you feel about baby epilogues? Good, bad, indifferent, complicated? I feel like for us, maybe it's complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your favorite fake dating romances? And as Jess, you mentioned, we're always interested in what people are interested in hearing about. Absolutely. And, uh, you know... I could talk about fake dating romances forever, but I'm sure that there are other things that you would prefer that I discuss. So if you, (laughs) I mean, maybe. Might go quarterly on the agenda, like you suggested. (laughs) This is our quarterly episode of fake dating recommendations. Yeah, exactly. Quarterly book club, quarterly fake dating recommendations. Let's do it. Anyway... If you have those thoughts, you can always reach out to us. If you want to send an email, you can send that to winninromance at bookriot.com. Or you can reach out to us on the socials. And I'll, I'll go first because yours are many and varied. Uh, I am best <laughs> reached on Instagram at Trisha Haley Brown. Jess, where can people find you on the socials? You're kind of a big deal. Well, because I started early with Twitter, you can find me at Jess is reading all one word on Twitter and on Instagram at Jess underscore is underscore reading and on the clock app, TikTok at Jess underscore is reading. I think that's everything. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, for now, we'll see. Maybe you get back on Tumblr. We don't know. Uh, Huge thanks, as always, to our wonderful, magical, very, very patient audio editor, Jen Zink. Mm Mm-hmm. Please do rate and review the podcast if you get a minute. Uh, It helps other folks find the show. Anything else we need to pack in before we wrap up, Jess? I think we packed in plenty. Everyone, I hope you're reading again. And until next time, happy reading. Happy reading.